This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Cut off by Mata, throws it out front, Dumba scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wade scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyak. And Justin Buck. Hello and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall joined as always by Zeke Boyat. And Justin Bakke kicking off what will likely be our last full-length episode of the 2020-2021 Minnesota Wild season. A couple things to recap, but before we get to that, let's check in with my co-host, because it's been over a week, fellas. Zeke, how you doing tonight, my friend? Yeah, no, I'm doing really good. Uh, you know, like I mentioned to you guys in the group chat before, I, I had my, you know, my large iced coffee before, which, you know, I'm kind of getting hooked on, I really. But uh, anyways, that's beside <laughs> okay, the point. Russo. So I'm, I got the, yeah. So yeah. I got the, I got the, you know, I'm ready, ready to, ready to talk and just, uh, you know, I'm doing great. And Justin, what about you, buddy? I'm doing good. Pretty tired. Had a pretty rough day between work and, and the kids, but, uh, doing well overall, uh, just ready to get this thing rolling and, uh, see if Zeke rambles on anymore with, with this, uh, coffee in a system. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be an interesting, uh, experiment. Well, probably the biggest thing to get on here, there are four new members of the Minnesota Wild. The Wild signed three defensemen and a center in the free agent frenzy. Nothing massive, no giant splash per se, but we weren't expecting them to do that. So let's just kind of go one by one uh, down the list and hit on the Wild's free agency and then how that kind of makes the roster look. And then we'll talk about Kaprizov because we have to on every episode, of course, because that is hashtag on brand. Uh, we'll talk about Kevin Fiala, a little bit of news about him. We'll talk a little bit about Jack Eichel. And then uh, depending on the time, we may bring back uh, a draft again for the first time in a long time. But let's get back to the free agencies. Let's start with the guy they pretty much signed as soon as free agency opened, and that was 36-year-old left-shot defenseman Alex Goligoski. Uh, the former Minnesota Gopher signed a one-year, $5 million contract. It was more or less expected uh, just your immediate reaction to that signing, uh, Justin. Let's go to you first here on uh, Goligoski. Um, I honestly wasn't surprised. It was pretty much rumored before uh, you know the signing day even happened. But uh, you know, not not a terrible uh, uh, replacement for Ryan Suter. It sounds like uh, for the time being that he may play with Jared Spurgeon, um, making five million a year, full no full no full no move clause. And then an uh, interesting tidbit that I saw on one of Russo's comments is it sounds like if things all go well, um, January 1st, he'll sign a, a contract for next year. 
being in the $2 million range, which will help with the cap crunch next season. Um, but yeah, he, he's a guy that's consistently put up for about 35 points a season and, and, you know, just uh, a solid veteran to, to replace Suter, at least for the time being. Yeah. I don't know. He wasn't, I mean, we talked about this, you know, a couple weeks ago on our show that, you know, he wasn't maybe, you know, the guy we were most the hugest fans of in terms of other options, but I don't think it's not horrible by any means. And, and I'm sure you've, you've seen people talk about it on Twitter. I'm always kind of camp that, uh, there's not really a such thing as a bad one year deal. Like, you know, if it doesn't work out, then you just move on real quick and it's not a problem. But, uh, yeah, no, I, th- I mean, I think he was good. He, last year, you know, he started out really slow. I think he only had like two points his first 30 games and had like 19 or last 20. So obviously, you know, especially being old and on defense, he's not, you know, offense isn't his calling card, but if he's going to be in the top four, you know, he could be used in the power play if you need him. And, you know, I just think the key thing is I don't, I think Suter's still a little better, but I don't think there's like a huge, drop off in the terms of quality of those two guys at least from what i can tell so you know uh yeah no considering what uh, other guys uh defensemen were going for in terms of years uh last wednesday during free agency I- i'm pretty happy with what they got yeah i i saw a lot of discourse about they overpaid for him I'm like i don't can you overpay yeah. a player on a one-year deal like what what difference does it make if you paid him three and a half okay now you have a million and a half no extra, but like they're gonna have probably a little bit of extra cap space regardless heading into this year. Um, just you know, unless they bring in you know like like a Jack Eichel, which we'll we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I mean, I, I liked it a lot. I I think we talked about on this show was the thing that we didn't like about Galagoskis. I think was projection was like a three or four year deal um, at like a four and a half million dollar hit, and I was like, I don't want that. But for one year, five million, I've got no quarrels with that. Sounds like he's projected to slot right in next to uh, Jared Spurgeon on the, you know, the one A or one B pair. I think I think we'll see similar to last year where each of those pairs are getting 22, 23 minutes a night. So I'm not going to call it the first pair, but I'm also not going to call it the second pair. Sounds like he can play some power play. Jacob Chickren really liked playing with him in Arizona. Um, I, I I do think you know I think uh, might have been someone on the Soda Pod um, or another local podcast referred to Goligoski as a diet Ryan Suter. Um, and I liked that. Uh, I liked that comparison quite a bit. I think that's a good way to put it. But um, always cool to have a hometown kid back here, and I I really like the the idea that uh, Justin you alluded to. If you know if everything goes well, getting him you know maybe two more years at two million, um, you know a guy that you could maybe slide down onto your to your third pair, continue to use in the top six at a pretty cheap hit, um, is a nice little uh, nice little wrinkle in in, in, a, in that possibility if everything goes well. So overall, was, I think this was their best signing of the day. I really liked this one. I'm looking forward to seeing what number 47 uh, can do alongside number 46. Yeah, and like you alluded to, uh, get them for cheap later on, which will be, I, th- I mentioned it before, but that'll be huge with the Suter and Parisi cap hits the next uh, three years after this season. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. Okay. All right, you good? Yeah, no, <laughs> all right. It's the coffee. It's the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's trug right along here uh, to the next defenseman uh, on the list. Not a guy we talked a whole lot about, so maybe we'll spend a little bit of extra time on him today. Um, signed for what should be an anchor on the on the third pairing left side. It's uh, Russian defenseman, left shot, uh, Dmitry Kulikov, who signed a two year deal uh, of an average average annual value of two point two five million. Sounds like he's a pretty snarky quote. Um, and seems like he should be a good fit. Uh, just 30 years old, and he will uh, play on that third pairing. It seems like most of the season, as long as he uh, remains healthy. Thoughts on Dmitry Kulikov? Well, I mean, I think that you know we mentioned his kind of like you know his demeanor. I think the quote was, you know, they asked him what kind of player he was, and he said a pretty good one, I guess. Which 
know, which is pretty funny, like you mentioned. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, I feel like I've you know heard of him being around for you know a lot longer than just thirty years old. To be honest, like I thought, would have thought he had been like you know more Golagoski's age. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, again, it was I think it was like two years. I think it was like two and a half, right? Right around there. Two point two five. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So not even that much. So yeah, no, again, only two years, pretty, you know, decent number. I think, you know, he's never been obviously an offensive guy. So, but he does fill, you know, that obviously that physical presence, defensive kind of first very much guy. And, uh, and, and yeah, considering a guy who's 720 games, uh, that's good veteran presence. And also he might be overrated, but it probably isn't, you know, the, maybe the worst thing, you know, assuming all goes well that we have another uh, Russian speaker in the room too. So yeah, no, I think uh, I, I like the player to, you know, to feel kind of be like a role guy. Yeah, that'd be, that'll be good for uh, Caprice. I to have another person to be able to speak Russian, but yeah, like he'll be, uh, he had to put up some good results last season. Um, mentioned, you know, if he stays healthy, he'd be solid third pairing option. He's had health issues in the past, but hopefully those are past him. Uh, he, you know, he provides some physicality and block shots, but, um, you know, we'll see who he plays with. We'll, you know, we'll talk about John Merrill, but uh, these are the kind of guys that will push uh, Kalen Addison for his spot and make him earn it. So, um, yeah, I'm just a solid, pretty cheap contract to help us get by the, the cap hits too, I feel like, again. Yeah, he's kind of the penultimate defensive defenseman. Uh, just two goals. Uh, in the last one, two, three, four seasons. Um, and I believe Hockey Wilderness shared a, a video of one of them, which is an absolute clapper from the point. So maybe we'll, uh, maybe the Wild will encourage him to use that shot a little bit more, but not a guy that's going to be on your power play. Not a guy that's going to probably create a whole lot of scoring chances, but uh, does drive play pretty well. Uh, was in the 63rd percent of even strength offensive play driving, so that's things like Corsi, um, expected goals, things like that, and then 91st percentile of defense last year. Um, mostly with, I believe, is Edmonton and New Jersey. So kind of a, a good year for him last year. So the Wild hoping that he can continue that. And I would assume just given the Wild system, um, that, that that should be no issue. Um, unlike Ian Cole, he's not a guy that takes a whole lot of penalties. So that should help um, keep the Wild out of the box. So that was, I think, my mind, on my mind, one of my biggest gripes with Ian Cole um, was he just was in the penalty box far too often. Um, but doesn't appear we'll have that issue uh, much with Kulikov. And then uh, Zeke, I believe, as you alluded to, will be nice, you know, uh, once all this Kirill Kaprizov stuff gets ironed out, just to have another Russian speaker, not only just to help you know in the locker room, but I think as they you know hit the road and visit you know more than six cities, just to kind of you know help them around these different cities and just kind of act mm-hmm. as that you know that, that that teammate that's not the translator, you know, just that guy that feels more like your buddy um, as well. So another another one I thought was a nice savvy deal. Um, I do have some guys we missed out on here, and I think one guy that I think all three of us are really excited, hoping they'd maybe slot into the third pair was Jake McCabe, uh, who ended up going for four years, $4 million, uh, mm-hmm. annually to Chicago. Just a price point the Wild could meet in much more um, than what he was projected to get, but uh, good for him. You know, Coming off a year where you played 15 games, I'm um, in a contract mm-hmm. year, and then uh, to get handed a $16 million contract. Yeah. Uh, well, well done by uh, him and his agent on that one. Well, I mean, yeah, that was, the, like we mentioned, that was the theme of the day with, you know, him. I mean, he, you know, he's, like, I think he's still a good player, but you had guys like, you know, him, Cody Cece, uh, you know, uh, Tucker Pool, yeah, which got four years out of nowhere. Oh, my God. Jim like, so, you know, that's, yeah, I mean, that's just, it seems, for whatever reason recently, it seems defense always is a premium. I mean, we've even seen it with guys who are good, not great, getting nine and a half million just everywhere. So, 
uh, yeah, I think, you know, that's why, you know, when people, you'd, you'd read the comments going, you know, oh, that's not all that exciting. Well, I mean, for, they needed to fill the role. And, you know, you you know, again, you don't want to overpay even just by a million or two for, you know, the bottom of the lineup guys. So, but yeah, there was, there was some eye openers out there on Wednesday for sure. Yeah, there sure was. And I know we missed out on some guys. I think some of it was due to negotiations with other players, but I, I'm fine with missing out on players that got overpaid and, you know, maybe had longer contracts than we would have liked. Um, but yeah, like Bill Guerin mentioned before, they just don't want to get stuck with uh, contracts you'll regret later on. And some of these teams may regret some of these contracts they handed out. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of teams that are going to regret the contracts they handed out. Just some guys that just aren't, that are like proven in multiple years past, like not the greatest players that got paid like, like a serviceable player. Um, the last guy the Wild kind of swooped in on late, uh, John Merrill, on just a one-year $850,000 contract, a very team-friendly deal there. Kind of a journeyman defenseman, but um, for everything I've heard, a great teammate, awesome hair, great mustache. Um, yes, a, a Merrill Addison uh, hair mustache combo on the third line might be a league best. <laughs> um, should that ever pan out? But uh, just another savvy signing by by Garen. There was a lot of names kind of being rumored. A lot of these like really old veterans who didn't really move a needle for me. So I was really happy to see him uh, go out and grab a guy like Merrill, who I really liked um, at a, what I thought was a pretty pretty good price point as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he's more of a defensive defenseman. Uh, kind of a low risk, high reward type sign in, in my opinion. Been on a couple good runs with like Vegas and Montreal. So if we get in the playoffs, he's got that experience. And then, you know, he plays a, a physical brand of hockey. So um, that's good too. I mean, like you mentioned, his his hair and mustache are on point. The salad <laughs> game is awesome. Like, we got to awesome make, make Addison and him together at least once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, they, they uh... kind of look like the same person, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, they, they do. And I think that's, I mean, I think that was the main reason he was brought in. And I know there was, you know, some other guys that they were considering bringing in to, you know, push Addison as the like, guy in the third pair. And, you know, I mean, again, like eventually at this point, you know, like there's not much to say, but again, one year, 850,000. And if he's seems to be from everything we've read, a great guy too. So uh, yeah, I don't think he'll won't do anything but help. Yeah, Justin, as you alluded to, a great uh, defensive defenseman. I did want to just read a little excerpt here from our friend Aaron Heckman, uh, who wrote a really nice article over at the, uh, the Hockey Writers uh, leading into free agencies about some defensive targets. Um, here's what's kind of his his breakdown of um, of Merrill last year, just a couple uh, little tidbits. He finished just two spots behind Kulikov in even strength defensive goals above replacement, which was a pretty high mark in the league, I believe. Um, and then his 36 games with the Red Wings last year before he going went before going to the Canadians at the deadline, uh, faced elite competition over 29% of the time, so not a stranger to difficult minutes. Uh, and he's just going to be a really gu- a guy that I think, as we mentioned, that can push Kalen Addison. I think you know, should an injury happen to one some on the blue line, someone that's going to be able to step in um, as well. Um, if I were a betting man, I think he starts the year as a seventh defenseman. I think they start the year with a with a Kulikov Addison pairing to start. Um, do you guys disagree? Do you think it'll be Kulikov, Merrill? Do you think Addison is the one in there uh, out of the gate? Well, I don't know. It feels like from everything we've, you know, the, everything Russo has said that, and just, you know, reading all that stuff that, you know, Addison will be in the NHL at least to start now. You know, that could be either he's sent down to the Iowa after that for a little bit or, you know, this kind of in and out type thing, you know, every once in a while depending on. But, I mean, I think personally that's also what I would do. So, but, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's definitely how they'll start the year. 
Uh, yeah, I think he'll start the uh, year in the NHL, and I think it's really up to him if he's going to take the sixth spot or seventh spot or what 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 have you not. And you know, maybe he does end up in Iowa at some point, but uh, I think uh, you know he'll make his own uh, spot if he if he has good camp. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Hoping we see Kalen Addison up this year, but um, I feel confident in, in the sixth where if, you know if they want him just to play more, play the more bigger minutes again, and and send him down to the AHL. I got no problem with that either. Um, so we talked about the missing out on Jake McCabe, and then Ian Cole ends up going to Carolina on a one-year, two-point-nine million dollar deal. So uh, pretty much the you know combined price that they end up getting on AAV for both Kulikov and Merrill. So uh, for what I think are you know. All due respect to Ian Cole, probably two better players um, as well. So um, it sounded like the Wild maybe wanted to circle back on him, but one reason that they couldn't was uh, much of the day they were going after Nick Foligno, um, who ends up going to Boston for a three on, for three years at $3.8 million. So I believe nearly a million dollars more than uh, what Evolving Hockey projected he would uh, get. Um, there's a lot of Wild fans that seem pretty ticked that the Wild didn't get Nick Foligno. Um, I think it was a bummer not get the player, but... Um, yeah. I tip my hat to Bill Guerin for not getting into a bidding war there because 3.8 was just too much. Um, it sounded like Russo said the Wild were kind of in that two and a half, three million dollar range, which is a perfectly fair price. So um, I will tip my hat to Guerin there for not overpaying for Nick Foligno. Um, as fun as that reunion would have been uh, for the team. Yeah, no, I, th- I mean, like you said, there was. I think his tweet was that they were, you know, them Colorado and Boston were all hot after him, you know, in the free agent market that the. And I mean, you know, because to be honest, it was kind of almost unexpected, you know, for like several months now that they were going to sign him. But and like you said, then he ended up going to Boston for a couple of reasons and, and some personal reasons as well. So, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, he's a good player still, at, you know, at age 33. But but as you mentioned, you know, even I, w- I guess I would have been fine with three years. But eventually, if you're getting a guy who's 35, 36, you know, who plays more of that physical bottom six style and he's kind of seemingly declined recently and has gotten hurt a few times. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, and that's a lot of people I've, I was fine uh, missing out. I mean, like you said, it, it would have been cool to have him on the team and I'm sure he would have helped, you know, in the locker room and all that too. But, uh, but yeah, no, as you mentioned, it's just good that uh, they didn't, they, 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 they're starting to not make the mistakes that they used to make, you know, with the old regime where it was, they, you know, maybe five years ago, they would have, paid up another 500,000, 600,000 to get him. And so, and like you mentioned, I think it was good. Uh, despite, you know, how close it was, it, it was definitely a good move to just uh, to, to not pay up there and, you know, leave that spot open for someone else on the team. Yeah. I, I would have been a little iffy with a three-year deal at his age. I mean, he's a good player, but he was going to fill more than likely a bottom six role. And, you know, we can have other guys do that. And maybe this allows, you know, with how things free, when free agency guys like Rossi, Boldy, you know, Dewar, Duheim gives those guys kind of an opportunity to jump into the the slots that may have been taken by some free agents. Yeah, Justin, let's let's bring up a name you just put up there. Brandon Duheim uh, was given a contract extension uh, this year. Um, gets a two year deal. The first year a two way. The second year a one way, um, which makes it seem like this is you know the Wild are are kind of betting on. On Duheim to, to take a step forward, you know, you wonder what it means for him, like a guy like Nico Sturm. Is he a guy they're going to resign with, with guys like Duheim coming up? Um, does Duheim make the team this year? You know, it is kind of a clogged up bottom six right now, you know, if, if you include Victor Rask in that conversation, which I am because that's what he is as a bottom six center. <laughs> um, you have, you know, the likes of Jordan Greenway, Nico Sturm, uh, Marcus Foligno, Nick Bukestad, Victor Rask, Ryan Hartman, 
you add Brandon Duheim into that mix, and then also another guy, uh, Freddie Gaudreau, um, the former Pittsburgh Penguin who Bill Guerin uh, went and signed to a two-year $1.2 million deal, um, a center who's won uh, nearly 54% of his face-offs uh, last season. Small samples, but has been a playoff performer with, I believe it's, uh, let's see, I have it pulled up here. Nashville. Yeah, with Nashville yeah, and, and Pittsburgh, uh, six points in 14 games career in the playoffs, um, and then three points in six games um, this past playoffs. So another interesting guy there. So, I mean, you basically have eight guys for the bottom six as it stands right now. So just makes you kind of wonder, uh, you know, how this shakes out both this year and I think kind of moving into the future as well. Yeah, definitely that, that one-way part of Duheim's contract got kind of got me thinking, got me intrigued, you know, more than likely Rask will be gone and who knows what some of these other guys will do. Maybe we see, <clears throat> excuse me, a guy like Jordan Greenway get traded and, and some of these other guys get a chance. But, uh, uh, I mean, as long as he can earn a spot, I mean, it's all for the taking. He had kind of a slow start last year, but blew up in the second half and scored six goals in the last 11 games play of the season and just looked like a different player. But, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that one-way part of that contract. And I just, uh, you know, I think the scouting report I remember on him uh, is that he's, you know, everyone keep, has been saying that he's, you know, a prototypical fourth liner, you know, not going to dazzle you offensively, but, you know, hard worker, you know, good two-way game, kind of like that. And, you know, that again, that might not excite people when they talk about prospects, but, uh, you know, he was a fourth-round pick, I believe. If he's any sort of an NHLer, that would be great. And, and obviously, like we've talked about many times, guys like him are the kind of guy that they're going to need the next five years instead of going out and signing someone for two or three million bucks. So, yeah, no, that I think, you know, there's like you said, though, there was it depends on what kind of role that they're going to try to fill, you know, that last one or two spots on uh, whether scoring or more like a checking role, depending on who gets there. So, yeah, I think the thing that excites me the most about, you know, the, the, the one way deal is we're finally going to see a young player get a chance in the bottom six. Now, I've said before that you got to put your young players in positions to succeed, but that's, you know, referring to, you know, the Luke Cunnins, the Jordan Greenways, the Matt Boldies, the Marco Rossi's like those aren't the guys that you jam on your fourth line. And be like, oh, why aren't you producing? A Brandon Duheim is a young guy that you do put on your fourth line. A guy who that's what his role is going to be. I mean, we, we've talked on this show at ends, you know, guys like Daniel Winnick and, and so many of these old veterans of the wild, you know, sign and stick on the fourth line at, on these, you know, $2 million, $3 million deals. It just excites me that Garen's looking to, to fill that spot internally with a guy who's, you know, able to play in that role versus, you know, get a young guy there, see what he can do instead of overpaying for these, you know, these guys that used to be top six forwards that are, that are no longer. Mm-hmm. You know, this kind of reminds me of Pittsburgh a little bit. While we don't have the stars they have, they would always seemingly have these guys with names you've never heard of come in and, and fill a role and, and, and do it well. So maybe that's, uh, like you mentioned, what Garen's doing. I mean, we've heard of the names, but a lot of the people, other fans mm-hmm. will be like, who's this Duheim kid? Like, yeah, it's awesome to see. Yeah, another name that comes to mind, uh, Ross Colton, who was kind of a, a fourth liner for Tampa what? Bay this year, just kind of a mm-hmm. s- similar type of player, kind of that big, you know, prototypical power forward that you know didn't play a major role for them in the Cup, but I believe he had a goal um, in in the in the Cup clinching game. So, I mean, those those young big guys can always contribute in the bottom of the lineup. So, curious to see what Duheim uh, can do moving forward here. Um, and then the last player we touched on a briefly, but let's circle back here. Uh, the Wild did s- sort of kind of address the center position, um, giving uh, Frederick Goudreau, like, as I mentioned before, a two-year, $1.2 million, uh, average annual value deal. Um, a guy that has kind of bounced around, hasn't played a ton in recent years, um, just played a total of uh, 19 games last year, uh, two goals, eight assists, and a plus 10. 
um, in that time. Um, his underlying analytics, small sample, uh, both both sides of the ice, pretty good. Um, doesn't play in the power play. Not you know the most amazing penalty killer, but a guy that did win uh, 54% of his draws as well. So you know a guy that you know might just be a, a perfectly fine you know either third or fourth line center and just kind of just go out and does his job right, wins the faceoffs when they need him. Um, so it was a signing I had no issues with him. Actually, was a uh, one I w- never really thought of, but um, after it happened, I was you know pretty happy with it. Yeah, I mean, I was fine with that at first. I was like, I mean, I I heard of him in Nashville. I didn't know much about him, and I was like, I, I don't know about this. And then I you know re- reading into him more, it, it I'm perfectly fine with it too, especially with the role he's gonna fill. Um, Dean loves him from you know the days that they spent in Milwaukee together in the Nashville system and. You know, player that's smarter than he is skilled, but he's also, you know, like you mentioned, had those 10 points in the 19 games played in, in Pittsburgh last season and can win draws and, and just, you know, just a smart player. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the key there is, like, like you mentioned, it being a bottom role is like I've seen the, the term that was thrown around was like the Nick Bonino replacement kind of in the bottom six there. And, you know, I think he's 28 now, so he's not really all that young, even though he hasn't played a ton in the NHL, but, you know, Obviously, like you were not, you're not bringing him there to score and put up a lot of points. But you know, I think I've read that he's a pretty good skater too, which which is always a plus, obviously, in today's game. And and then again, another thing is we've seen from you know his kind of first interview and, and stuff that supposedly he's a guy you know teammates really like too. So that, you know that also helps as well. So uh, you know, I think it was a, I think it was two years at one point two per. I think right. Is yep. What I think it was. Yeah. Okay. So again, you know, not too much to complain about there. Pretty decent value. If he, if he, you know, is a good third source liner, that'll be just fine. So, yeah. No. Again, a depth signing. So not like you know maybe a ton of impact, but uh, again, still, I, I think it's uh, a guy like him was a better bet than some of the other guys out there for sure. For sure. So here's kind of how the depth chart kind of pans out as of now, or at least what I would like to see personally. Um, we kind of mm-hmm. touched on the blue line already, but then the four group, uh, we're assuming Kaprizov. And Zuccarello stay together. Who is at center remains to be seen. It might be Victor Rask again. I hope to God it's not. It could be Joel Eriksson Ek. Maybe it's Nico Sturm. Could be Freddie Goudreau. Could be Ryan Hartman. We really don't know. Your guess is who plays center on what line at this point um, as it stands is, is as good as ours. Um, I just have three question marks penciled in there right now because I still think they might try to address that potentially before uh, the offseason wraps up. Second line, I'm penciling in Boldy with Fiala. Um, Russo hints that maybe Hartman is that center. I think they should stick Eck there personally. Uh, third line, you you just kind of reinvent the grief squad and sub in uh, Nico Sturm for Erickson Eck. So you got uh, Sturm flanked by uh, Greenway and Felino, and then the fourth line, you've got you can either do some co- it'll be some combination um, of I think Goudreau, Bukestad, Rask, and Hartman. So pretty solid bottom six. Some question marks on on what happens in the top six, but. You know, from last year, you basically have replaced Zach Parisi with Matt Boldy and Freddie Gaudreau with uh, Nick ben- with Nick Benino. So uh, pretty unchanged there for the most part. And then in the blue line, we talked about you know Goligoski, Spurgeon, Brodine Dumba, um, probably Kulikov, and then either of Addison or uh, Merrill filling out that third pair. And then returning, of course, with Talbot and Kakinen in net. Yeah, I don't know. I just think. Like you said, the, the whole center position is interesting because I know Russo. He tweeted someone saying he doesn't think didn't think they had a plan B after Eichel. Now he, you know, you're not going to know everything, and I and I hope that changes because, as you mentioned, if we have to, I mean, I don't hate Hartman. He's better than Ras, but even having him on that top line would be very unideal. Uh, so you know, I still, like you said, I still would 
seriously hope that they address that. Obviously, I mean, you know, we've been clamoring for that for years, so who knows? But you know, aside from aside from that, I mean, there's not too much to complain about, and I think. That was the one thing that we, you know, we talked about this a little bit too last week is that, you know, people were all disappointed that they didn't make any huge moves last week. They didn't sign anybody noteworthy. And, you know, they looked at the lineup. It's like, well, how'd you improve? It's like, well, they may not have improved, but I don't know that they got considerably worse in really any which way area. And I think, you know, people just need to understand that, you know, there just really isn't that much money to go around and there's not that much space. And this is just kind of how the team is going to be built. It might not, you might not see the immediate impact, you know, going in next year, which is, you know, as we've talked about, the exciting thing in a way is with these younger guys coming in, we don't really, that might fill those roles that you mentioned there, Brett, that we, we don't know how good they can be. So I think that's just like the, the key X factor there, obviously, is just as if, if they, one or two of those guys gets in, how soon of an impact they can make. And, you know, I mean, again, I, I, we shit on Rask a lot in this show. I don't hate him in the NHL if he's on the fourth line. Correct. Like he, he, probably, he is an NHL player, yep. but you know, I, I, you just, it's as I said it last week. I, I just, it makes me cringe so hard to think about him being on the first line power play unit in overtime again next year. It just, I, I just hope to God that they find something, some sort of improvement there, even if that's just minor. For me, it's yeah. just Rast just shouldn't be in a scoring role. Like, he can play in a shutdown role, a defensive role, even like a complimentary piece on like a checking line. He just shouldn't be put mm-hmm. on a scoring line, which is very clearly what the Caprizov-Zuccarello line is. So, yeah. Justin, do you have uh, something to add there? No, I was just going to say it's uh, going to be interesting to see how we do address the, the 1C, 2C. I think Eck will be in one of them. But uh, as far as 1C, it'll be tough, you know, to do something outside of a trade. And even with the trade, it's going to have to be money in, money out type thing. And I've heard people talk about, like, oh, let's offer sheet Pedersen. But, you know, that's something we can't do because the money's got to go out, whatever we bring in. So, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. And I don't envy Bill Guerin to be in this position, but uh, I certainly trust him. And like I said, it'll be interesting to see how he addresses it in the, the long term here. Yeah, and, and should this center situation remain the same, it does, in my mind, leave the door wide open for Marco Rossi to, you know, whether it's right out of training camp or after a month in the AHL, to, to really get a shot in a, in a top six role to uh, to see uh, what what he can do. Um, let's uh, Before we get off for agency, let's just touch on a couple uh, things where former Wild players went. Uh, Ryan Suter uh, flicks off the state of Minnesota, goes to Dallas on a four-year deal, uh, $3.65 million per with a full no-move clause. So basically the same Oof. security, basically just took a $4 million cap reduction. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I, I bet you Dallas regrets that one in about two years' time. Um, Zach Parisi is heading to the New York Islanders. The term and money on that contract to be determined. Uh, Brad Hunt is over in Vancouver. Uh, Ian Coles, you mentioned, off to Carolina. Uh, and then Brennan Minnell, who uh, we had hoped would maybe get a look this year, that could not come to a deal with the Wild. Um, he gets shipped off, shipped off to Toronto. Um, still, I still I believe remains an RFA there. Um, but the Wild he did, clearly... he did sign a he signed a one year two way contract with Toronto. So he signs a two way with them, but not with us. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a weird situation. But uh, I believe the condition the Wild give up the pick if he plays like thirty five games. I think. Is the condition yeah, otherwise? I can't remember the exact number, but yeah. something like that. Yeah. So that was the condition on the pick. So again, you know, seventh rounders pretty much turned into nothing. So that was just mm-hmm. Garen looking out for uh, looking out for a guy and just giving him a chance to to go prove himself somewhere else. So 
all the best to him. I, I do hope he plays, and I do hope he is a good defenseman. Um, I just I, I hope the best. It'd be, it'd be a cool story for him. Um, I mm -hmm. wish he could have done it here, but all the best uh, to him. So Yeah, it'll be a good story, and Wild Twitter will lose their damn minds. <laughs> I, did, I did see one guy like, yeah. what if he's the next Brent Burns? I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Come on, man. <laughs> Brent Burns is like 6'6", 230 yeah. pounds. Yeah. Like, come on. If anything, Manel will be like a decent, like, he'll be like mm -hmm. a the offensive version of a Carson Soucy, I think, is kind of his ceiling yeah. Um, yeah. in my mind. So, And I will uh, – I will say I can I can see uh, Ryan Suter next year Game Seven first round playoffs in Dallas scoring the overtime winner right now I, I can unfortunately <laughs> it, uh, you know you know that's well I don't want to be one of those Minnesota sports people but it'll be on a wrist I, shot too it would be funny yeah from the point <laughs> from the point <laughs> it'll be right. chewing on a quick trip sandwich in the end yeah in the all locker right. room well. all right well let's talk about the other big story this week um, well actually all summer since the season ended and that's Kirill Kaprizov. Contact, contact contract negotiations or lack thereof continue. Um, Paul Theofanis continues to be an absolute uh, pain in the ass um, and not getting a deal done. Uh, it's just absurd that there's nothing done by now. To me, this isn't – I think a big thing I want to make clear is I don't think this is a Kaprizov thing at all. I wonder if Kaprizov's even really been part of these negotiations. I think this has strictly been a, a very fierce standoff between Theofanis uh, and Garen. Yeah, I mean, you see pictures of uh, Kirill Kaprizov doing what looks like a, a photo shoot for Kaprizov. Yeah, <laughs> just feeding into that but, for sure. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, I, I remember Zeke. You posted it, and I don't want to steal your thunder. I'll let you kind of say no, what Russo no. said. But uh, it definitely sounds like it's something that's all Theophanes. And I think once Kaprizov steps in and says. I think he's going to have to step in and basically say, you know, get this done because I want to play. Yeah, no, I think, well, I think, uh, you know, it was mentioned that I think uh, he was just over in Russia visiting with him, you know, to talk about all this stuff, I think, in the last week. So, as Russo, you know, the thing he said, too, is that it's either going to have something going to happen here in the next couple of weeks after that meeting or, you know, again, it's going to go right up until training camp starts. So, but I think that, like, you mentioned, Justin, the thing that Roos said was, I think, in the, I might have said this before I mentioned this, but he said that essentially if it was any other agent, this would have been done a month, maybe two months ago. Like, if you still had Dan Milstein, you know, he, you know, maybe he didn't sign, you know, the seven, eight year deal, or at least he would be on a five year deal, but he probably would have been signed, you know, seven years, eight and a half million, eight, nine million a year, you know, yesterday if he had different agents. So, and like you mentioned, that's, it's just very, it's, you know, it's frustrating because, you know, then you got all, all the people come up in the woods saying, see, I knew this. He never wants to play here. He just wants to, we're just a stop, a stop by, you know, gas station, basically passing through, which, you know, while I, th I agree with you that it's, it seems like it's a lot of his agent, uh, you know, eventually, you know, your agent is who you hired to represent you. Eventually, you know, you do have to take some of that responsibility and hopefully, you know, he'll do that. Or if Bill Guerin will get on the phone with him or go talk with him and say, okay, here's, you know, what's going on, you know, hopefully there's no, you know, the agent isn't, you know, maybe feeding him wrong information or twisting things to make, you know, kind of try to make it like the team's trying to lowball him or something. So, but yeah, it's definitely, a, it's not fun to have that, you know, I'm, I'm like you guys, I'm not too worried about it, but it's not fun to be in flux where it's like, yeah, no, this is, here's depth chart, but oh, also, you know, your two best players, there's a possibility each is not there regardless of, you know, how likely it is. And that's, it's not fun because after last year we finally had him. We thought, okay, we had him. It's great. This is going to be great for a long time. And then we get this. So, 
One thing I think that's crazy, and then I'll you talk, Brett, is we basically uh, offered him Braden Point contracts. <laughs> yep. And it got shot down. Allegedly. Uh, after 50, yeah, allegedly. After 55 games or whatever. And I'm not knocking on Caprice. I was more of his agent, but I'm like, that. Braden Point's a hell of a player. And, you know, maybe Caprice up takes a, a short deal and like a five year and, and wants to prove himself to make even more. But uh, that. Braden Point deal is pretty good too, because I mean, Point's a hell of a player. Yeah, I I almost wonder if something like that, and we we've seen all the big contracts hand out lately. You know, Zach Renski, Seth Jones, Miro Haskinen, Kale McCarr, Braden Point. Like none of these guys have taken. You know, I think Renski took the most at about nine point eight million. Like mm-hmm. these are guys that are pretty much in the same age range, you know, that 24, 25, 26 mm-hmm. age range. So I I think ultimately I think that kind of helps Garen a little bit. Like hey, look at this, like. This this guy who's probably a top five center in the league. I mean, granted, nine and a half million is a little bit different than that. In Tampa, is a little bit different than nine and a half million here. Yeah. But I mean, I think you just look on, on on average annual value terms. It's like, hey, this guy just took this much. Like we're not we're not going over ten. Um, and for what it's worth, I did check Evolving Hockey today. Their their projection, I think, most likely goes about five years, seven points. I think it was around like seven point seven million, which I think kind of fits right into kind of what I think. Would be I would be very happy with that. I still think it probably has to be four years. Um, I think that's probably where they come in, um, but we'll we'll see how that uh, continues to progress. But uh, one of you too, I believe, shared something in the group chat. Elias Sorokin was doing an, uh, an interview with a, with a Russian newspaper and and seemed that it was a lot more smoke than fire that uh, Kaprizov wasn't going to be back in Minnesota. Yeah, I shared it on the countdown page, and and it was basically taken from I believe an interview in Russia that Sorokin had, and you know it's kind of hard to kind of translate Russian to English and have it sound, you know, totally mm. right to us. But basically, Sorokin was asked, uh, you are not playing the Russian card, are you? And his response was like, if anything, I'll return to the KHL, question mark. Well, they still understand that this will not happen. I'm not sure that anyone will fall for it now. And therefore, when I see the news about Kirill Kaprizov, I laugh. And then he was asked after that, do you not believe that he will return? I think referring to Kaprizov and uh, Sorokin said it is unlikely to return and what I mean what I think he means by that is return to the KHL and he said maybe mm-hmm. I don't know something so I apologize in advance to Kirill I think he was just kind of going back on his answer but uh, you know that that sounds like a pretty positive to me optimistic type thing yeah. and I think well I mean like we've like said before you know if if he really didn't care that much about being in the NHL and being here, you know, he would not have came over in the middle of the pandemic last year when he could not leave his apartment or leave the hotel and, and you know, basically not do anything besides be at the rank. So, you know, I, you know, again, we, we said that a million times before that we don't buy it, but, and just to kind of finish up my thoughts, it's just, you know, again, we don't want to blame the players for trying to make their worth and trying to maximize their earnings ever. Like I don't want to, you know, even if it's sometimes being ridiculous, I don't want to, you know, criticize them too much, especially when it's agent driven, but, eventually does need to a point where you know they need to make him realize that you know you played just over half a season here and they are offering to you know you, you don't have to take the original contract offer but they wanted to make you the highest paid player in the history of their team by year wise and that you know that's not insignificant in any ways so you know i, I don't blame him too much but it is you know I'm, and again it's hard with the whole agent thing who's you know really doing that but it is a bit frustrating that you know this has to be so hard when they're literally willing to make him the highest paid player in the history of the team and he just uh again like you said just hope that ideally sooner than later they they just can agree on on something that's not three years or less right 
So that saga will continue. We'll uh, we'll do a reaction show when that contract will get signed. It, it will happen. Just a matter of yeah, when. Well. Um, yep. The other big RFA piece, uh, we have a little bit of traction in that today, is Kevin Fiala. We have learned the Minnesota Wild uh, have filed for arbitration. Um, I believe that date opens August 11th. So that still leaves an opportunity for the Wild and Fiala to uh, come to an agreement here in the next 10 days. Uh, no, sorry, that's bad math. Eight days, basically. Um, and then on that ninth, the arbitration would happen. Uh, between that and, I believe, the 15th are kind of those arbitration dates. Um, basically what arbitration means is that the two teams as of now haven't been able to come to a deal. Um, so they go to an arbitrator and the arbitrator, you know, takes the offer from both Fiala's camp and the wild. Um, he looks at it and says, all right, here's my, you know, here are my options that I'm giving Kevin Fiala that he has to accept. And he'll either get a one year or a two year, uh, opportunity if he doesn't sign a contract, uh, before that. So just kind of your guys' thoughts on, on that, uh, being announced today. So, uh, to clarify again, this was the team announcing the arbitrate that they want to go an arbitrator and not Fiala. So kind of a little more uncommon situation um, that, than usual. Yeah, it's definitely not something that you see very often. Um, I haven't been able to look into it too much because I was at work for most of the day, but uh, I tried looking into it a little bit. But um, I don't really think this is us lowballing him like a lot of people think. Uh, I think he is worth, uh, you know, I saw someone compare him to Ehlers, $6 million. I think he's worth at least that much. He's, he's a player that's going to put up points, and, and if you get him better line mates, then, you know, watch out. He I think he'd be a point-per-game type player with with better line mates. But, you know, maybe they come up with, like, a, a one-year deal, and, and then next year they revisit and hopefully come up with something long-term or some, or hopefully they can come up with something long-term before arbitration even hits. But uh, I certainly think he needs to, to be on this roster because he's one of our two best players right now. Yeah, and I think it's difficult. I mean, you know, the first thing that, you know, I can think of is that obviously there's this Dean Evison connection from, you know, coaching him when he was, you know, 18, 19, 20 in the AHL. And, you know, I think there's, there, we always tell you, it seems like, you know, it, I don't know if that's the right word, but he's a bit harder on him than usual. Like he's, you know, a kind of, a, you know, always thinking you can get more out of him. And while I do, you know, sometimes I can see where maybe some of the frustration is there at times with consistency, maybe. But I also go back and forth that, you know, we haven't had too many guys who you can pretty much say are almost money in the bank for, you know, right around 30 goals probably. And, it, it, you know, I just, you know, I hope, you know, ideally they would get something done before the arbitration because obviously you never, you know, usually those don't end all that well. A lot of times those guys are traded, you know, fairly in the recent future after. So, you know, I, I, I hope that doesn't get to it, but because it, it's, it's tough because I think, you know, as Russo has said before, he signed that two-year deal just before training camp as like a bridge deal. And he, you know, he seems to think that, you know, I proved my worth to the team and that especially with Kaprizov being offered eight or 9 million, he thinks, you know, that's what I should get then. And, you know, it's, I think it's a different situation. It's a little hard. And I think that what kind of maybe sucks for him is that he didn't really get the two full seasons last year's to really prove that. So I think, you know, that's kind of what they're using too is I think they probably, <laughs> you know, if they, if it's a one or two year deal, uh, I think they would just, I think they just still, want to see you know another good full season out of him before they're comfortable committing like long-term big money the other thing i would be saying if i'm viala is like yo i was like on pace for 30 goals with yeah. marcus johansson and ryan hartman as my most common wow. line mates and a power play that was dog shit for half the season like and i still did this imagine what happens when you get me with like a couple of quality players so um, yeah. yeah, I'm really curious to see where that goes. I think ultimately it probably does settle in arbitration. Um, I would I would guess Fiala maybe just goes with the one-year deal and then explodes and then, uh, 
you know, forces the Wilds hand either, you know, hey, you should have should have given me, you know, seven million before because now I'm worth, you know, eight and a half or yeah. what have you. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, evolving hockey and one and two year deals basically um, projected them right around five point four million um, on that deal, give it give or take. So that does, you know, create some more flexibility um, in the short term. Um, again, so we'll, we'll see where that goes, but something uh, to monitor. But um, regardless, it was nice to just see, you know, some sort of traction, you know, that we know, mm-hmm. you know, at the latest by August 15th that Kevin Fiala will either be under contract with the Minnesota Wild for one or two years or he'll be traded um, for potentially, uh, you know, maybe someone like a Jack Eichel who will hit on here quickly um, before we wrap up the show because there's not too much more on him, but it does seem there is a little bit of pressure now uh, from his agents to, to get a deal done, who they basically call it Buffalo Sabres. And, and uh, to, to, to put it shortly and bluntly, they said, what the fuck, um, he was supposed to be traded by the draft, and he's still not. So, um, Also, I, I won't go into the details because I don't want to spoil it, but um, Elliot Friedman and 31 Thoughts did a really fascinating interview with um, Eichel's doctor who um, talked about why Jack Eichel wants to get this disc replacement over this fusion surgery that the Sabres want him to get. I would highly recommend checking that out. It was really informative and really interesting and basically was uh, directly followed by that statement from his agent. So um, definitely heating up. Perhaps that price starts to come down. We talked about last week that the Wild were reportedly out. I wouldn't be surprised if they're uh, kicking those tires again here, seeing if that price has come down, given that extra pressure uh, from the agents. Yeah, I'm not going to spell it either, but I think after not think I know after listening to that from you know forming my own opinion that that I'm on Eichel's side with this because me as well. It certainly makes sense on what he's trying to do as compared to what Buffalo wants to do for not just the short term but the long term and his whole career. Yeah, it affects quite a bit of, of a lot of things. So I highly recommend checking it out as well. It's like a thirty five minute yeah. podcast, so it's yep. it's mm-hmm. won't take up a lot of time either. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, you know, on all that, it's just been hard for me to fully buy and give, you know, the Sabres the benefit of the doubt in this situation, considering, you know, just how much of a tire fire they've been for a decade. So, and I think, I think more of this is, you know, it's a kind of an issue that, the, you know, the Players Association will have to address that because you would think that, you know, that, you know, if the player has his own health problem, that, you know, I, I know I get, I get why they would maybe be concerned uh, of the, you know, the long-term effects of that, but if the player wants to have, you know, a, a surgery done that there's, even if it's never been done before, that there's evidence that could help him playing and his long-term life. I feel like they should, you know, have more control over that, over what they do there. But, but yeah, no, I'm, it's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I, I just think it's, it's not really a, there's a no-win situation for Buffalo there. Uh, Cause you know, obviously, you know, they could, they could bring him back, you know, not having the captain and, and after he has a surgery and maybe he plays a little bit and maybe his trade value is more to what they want from some team. But, you know, it's it, that's risky there because, the as they mentioned, they want guys who want to be there, and he very obviously doesn't. So uh, I just think it, it's obviously – I mean, whenever you're going to trade a star like that, it's you're you're never really going to win that situation unless you just get lucky or unless you pull, you know, a Matthew Shane in Colorado thing. So, but, yeah, no, it's uh, – it's – it's, it's 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 complicated, and uh, I know I've been you know the one who's been kind of on that bandwagon. I guess I still kind of am, but more out of you know more for maybe for for debate sake, for just having fun. But it's yeah, no, it's I'm I don't know. I'm still I've kind of turned to the more of uh, it's uh, let's not uh, you know make let's not solve one problem and make three others. So. So we'll uh, continue to monitor Kaprizov, continue to monitor Fiala, continue to monitor Eichel. Those are probably the big three stories heading into training camp, barring some other, you know, massive, 
massive thing. But it doesn't sound like the Wild, as, as we allude to, have any other trade plans, at least of now. Um, but we'll keep a monitor on that. So anything else, guys, to wrap up kind of your thoughts on the, the 2021 offseason here? Uh, kind of a last chance uh, before we move into – I think we have some time to do a draft, so I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do that today as well. Uh, I just want to say be patient with Bill. I see a lot of people kind of crapping on him right now, but I think he has a long-term plan. And uh, I also want to thank everyone for the support because as of July 31st, we've been a podcast for a year. So um, pretty awesome what uh, support we get and what this has become for us. And, uh, you know, the fact that I've jumped out of my shell to do it is is something that I feel proud of too and, and just awesome working with you guys. Yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll kind of echo the same things, you know, kind of similar to what you said. I mean, you know, just, you know, just enjoy. There's only a couple months left for the season now. Just, you know, just it'll be just nice to have, you know, maybe hopefully a normal season back next year and just have fun. And I know, again, people, you know, especially today, it's not people aren't always entirely very patient, especially with the sports teams. And I think, like Justin mentioned, just to, to be patient that, you know, we've all wanted for so long for them to build their team through their system and through the draft and all that. But, you know, the thing with that is that takes time. And you're not going to, especially now, going to be able to go out and make these big flashy moves. So, again, just be, like you said, Justin, just be patient there and just, uh, you know, just kind of look through the positive things that we got going right now. And uh, I also will... Uh, just thank again, like you said, everyone for listening. I mean, I think our, our most recent episode for the free agency preview is now at 441 downloads, which is our most ever, but I think like 60 or 70. So, you know, that's really cool to see, you know, how we've been, you know, keep continuing to improve, especially in the off season. So, uh, like you said, again, just uh, thanks a ton to everybody who listens. It's, uh, it's really cool that, uh, you know, you all tune in every week uh, during the year to listen to us talk about this team. So I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. You guys really waste an hour of your day to listen to three buffoons ramble on about the yeah. wild, so, <laughs> especially with all the other people that are out there talking about the wild. Uh, mm-hmm. Appreciate the support. So let, let's give you a little reward. We know you guys like when we do drafts. It's been a long time since we've done one just because there's been yeah. so much to talk about. Um, but we have some time today. So uh, we're going to do a fun little one uh, kind of piggybacking off for agency. None of us have done research for this. So we're basically pulling this straight out of our pocket. Um, out of our ass, if you will. Um, we're going to assemble a starting lineup of players signed in free agency. I think for for simple simplicity's sake, we're not going to factor in the term of the length just solely based on the player's skill. So we'll need to fill out. Uh, we'll keep it simple. We won't require like a center per se and a left wing and right wing. Just three forwards, two defensemen, uh, and a goalie. Zeke, this one was your idea. So I think we'll, uh, we'll give you the first pick, which I think is a pretty oh, obvious gosh. one. Um, and then uh, Justin, you can go, and then uh, I'll, All right. I'll I'll go third. So uh, rules make sense to you guys? Pretty pretty clear, pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Zeke, uh, you can start us off here with uh, with your first one. Yes. One second here to look through. So I. Th- hmm. Who was the best guy signed for agency? Yeah, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna. You know, this might be off the board, but I'm gonna go in goal with Philip Grubauer. Ooh. So building from the net out. Interesting. Yes. All right, Boy, Justin, we'll, we'll go to you next. And, and what a cluster that was with uh, Colorado, by the way. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, they don't get Grubauer done, so then they have to force to overpay for Darcy Kemper, who lives, you know, who the wild mind, they live rent-free. So all of a sudden, games against the Az look better. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but do they still have Dubnik, too? <laughs> he's yeah. Not, I think he's not signed yet. He's not, not signed. signed. He's not signed, okay. 
But that'd be pretty funny if Colorado came with a Kemper Dubnik tandem. That would be <laughs> that would be ironic um, if, yep. if that were to happen. Um, and then uh, so he signs in Seattle, and they have like some contract issues where like they didn't do it right. And then I th- I think they've since resubmitted, and I think it's good to go mm-hmm. now. But man, what a what a journey that was. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's funny. Uh, Justin, uh, you have your pick next. Uh, I'm gonna go with defenseman Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, that's the one I thought would be the clear number one. Who went to the New Jersey Devils, which was interesting. Oh, you know, kind of a, yeah, a 25, or is he 20, he's 27, I think. Um, arguably, like, the best defenseman in the NHL. Probably had a pretty big market, um, but ends up going to New Jersey, who I look at as, like, still kind of a rebuilder, um, mm-hmm. especially up front in the forward group. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll see how that pans out for him. But, you know, good for the Devils for, uh, I think, Tom Fitzgerald, who was a a candidate for the wild gym has kind of made some bold moves and gone out and got some guys. Um, they brought in, I believe, uh, Jonathan Bernier as well, I think to tandem with Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh-huh. So, um, should be a, a nice little, uh, resurgent year from cause that division is going to be a bloodbath. So, uh, best of luck to him. Yeah. All right. Comes to me now with two picks. Let's see. I will start with, uh, I'm going to just get my wingers out of the way right off the bat. I'm going to go with uh, Blake Coleman and uh, Zach Hyman. Uh, Coleman, Oof. former Lightning, uh, signed with the Flames six years, uh, about $30 million bucks, so just uh, about $5 million a year. And then uh, Zach Hyman signed with the Oilers uh, seven years, uh, 3.85 or $38.5 million. So coming in, uh, again, just a little bit over $5 million. So I'm going to start off uh, just getting my wingers out of the way. All right. So we're doing three forwards or wing, center wing? Can it can you... just be three forwards. I'm just choosing okay. to put okay. those two on the wing. Okay. All right. Well, with my second pick, I'm going to go with Philip Deneau. All right. Oof. Who went to the LA Kings, which we discussed in our uh, group chat, was not the place I would have penciled them in. They, they're like a weird team to me because, like, they're kind of like have like this really deep prospect pool. Like seems like they're still in a rebuild, but then like they got Arvidsson, and now they signed Deneau, and it's like yeah. But part of me is like looking at that division. Yeah, I'd probably take a shot at cracking the playoffs this year too, Mm -hmm. Um, because like we've said, and it's still you know with uh, some questionable moves by Seattle, um, that division's pretty wide open outside of Vegas, who now lost Flurry, so who knows? Um, I was gonna say it's Vegas and everyone else, but maybe it's closer now with Flurry gone. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, also, a uh, celebratory note, uh, Ryan Reeves traded to the New York Rangers, so he's out of the Western Conference, so I most have to see him Love it. twice a year. Um, great that we don't have to watch that human garbage skate around on the other team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and try and pick on little guys like Fiala and, and Kaprizov. Yeah, and then not stand up to the bigger guys. So, yeah, All right, Zeke, it's uh, back to you. You need some position okay. players now. Okay, so do I have one, right? Yeah, you just have Grubauer right now. Okay. And then you no, get I'm saying, uh, oh, you get two picks. Okay, sure. sure. So, uh, well, I think I'm going to go a little off the board uh, for center. I'm going to put uh, Mikhail Granlund at center. All right. Yeah, let's just go find um, And then my other my other pick, I think I'm going to go. We probably shouldn't neglect D, but I'm going to go with uh, Brandon Sod on the left wing. Right. Loading up on the former Central Division guys. Yeah, yeah. notice been thinking about that. <laughs> All right, Justin, it comes back to you here next. I think I'm gonna round out my defenseman and take Alec Martinez. Nice. 
Uh, it's not a bad uh, pairing there, Hamilton and Martinez. Yeah. Now, Martinez is going to be my next pick, so I got to pivot. I had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Getting a little tougher. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to fill up my forward group. I'm going to go with uh, Jaden Schwartz. Off to Seattle, right? Yep. On a uh, five-year, $27.5 million deal. So now I just need D and a goalie. Uh, for my goalie, I'm going to get him out of the way here, and I'm going to go with uh, Peter Morazic, who signed a three-year, $11.4 million deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nice. All right, so now I believe we are back to Justin. All right. So two forwards and a goalie <laughs> yet. See. I think, let's see. I'm going to take a winger. I'm going to go with Kyle Palmieri. All right. Who is unofficially but officially signed with the New York Islanders. Yeah. All right, and then uh, Zeke, back to you. Yeah, I think I think even though he's taken by Seattle, I think he was technically free agent with the Jamie Alexia account. Or or do you want to count him? I don't know. I got another option, but it don't matter. I'll allow it. Okay, then I'll go with Alexia on D. Alright, and you have another one. Okay, and then uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with David Svart on D as well. Alright. So just one more player left to fill out your roster. Um so now, uh, Justin, back to you to uh, your next pick here. You need a wing and a goalie. Wing and a goalie. I think I'm just going to go ahead and take Frederick Anderson for my goalie. Signed with the Hurricanes, two years, $9 million deal. A little interesting goalie swap there as uh, Razik goes to the Leafs and Anderson goes to the Canes, who had, in my book, the worst offseason of pretty much any team. And that says a lot concerning the off-seasons that Vancouver and Edmonton had. So yeah. mm-hmm. They signed someone whose name we won't even bring up on the podcast, but not a popular one. All right, so someone comes back to... This. <laughs> oh, sorry, someone that was used as the body of Ryan Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on their, on their posts. <laughs> yep, very interesting. Uh, all right, so I will uh, wrap up here. Uh, my team, I need to grab two defensemen, and you guys grabbed a lot of the good ones. So against my better judgment, um, I am going to take Tyson Berry because he can't play defense, but uh, he does drive offense well. And I think with Coleman, Hyman, and Schwartz, I've got some really good defensive forwards um, that can allow Berry to be a little more offensive. All right. Let's see who else. I think we'll allow a former Minnesota wild player. If you're interested. Nah, I don't think so. No. All right, for, for my other one, I'm going to go with a guy that we had hoped the Wild would bring home. Um, to pair with Barry, I'm going to go with uh, Alex Edler, who also uh, went to the LA Kings, another one of their free agent signings. So that completes my team. I have uh, Blake Coleman, Jaden Schwartz, Zach Hyman up front, uh, Alex Edler, Tyson Barry on D, and then uh, Peter Morazic in goal. Uh, Justin, we go back to you. Get around out your team. You need one more winger. All right. Man, I'm kind of debating between a couple guys, but 
I think I will go with the, the guy that's gotten uh, a couple teams of Stanley Cup a couple of years in a row, Corey Perry. All right, adding some grit. All right, so your team is Corey Perry, Philip Deneau, and Kyle Palmieri up front. Uh, very dominant defense of Dougie Hamilton and Alec Martinez. Uh, and Freddie Anderson in between the pipes. Zeke, we go back to you. You also need just one more forward uh, to fill out your team. Okay, has, uh, has Mike Hoffman been picked yet? He has not. Okay, I'm going to go with him on the other wing. And then just quickly to edit, uh, I decided to, uh, I'm going to change the Alexiak one, so I'm going to knock it to the free agent, and okay. I'll put Suter there as well, instead. All right. Defense. I thought about Suter, but just couldn't, couldn't do it. Mm. Yeah, couldn't do it. <laughs> All right, so one more time. Here are the teams. Uh, Zeke, who picked first, um, went with Grubauer and the goal. Suter and Savard on defense. Saad, Granlin, Hoffman up front. Justin was next. Freddie Anderson in goal. Dougie Hamilton, Alec Martinez on defense. Corey Perry, Philip Deneau, and Kyle Palmieri make up his forward group. And then I, the last pick, went with Peter Morazic as my goalie. Alex Edler, Tyson Berry on defense. Blake Coleman, Jaden Schwartz, and Zach Hyman uh, as my forward group. So I think we each have a very clear strength, very clear weakness um, mm -hmm. as you look at it. So I, th I think I got the forwards. Uh, Zeke's got the goaltending, and then Justin's got the defense. So it'll be interesting to see uh, wh wh which component uh, the followers uh, value the most. We'll send out that poll probably by the time you're listening tomorrow, um, either that or on Wednesday. So that'll do it pretty much here for our 2020, 2021 Minnesota Wild coverage on the Sound the Foghorn podcast. Uh, looking forward, our plan, uh, we will have those instant react shows should any major news drop. Um, but otherwise, we'll be taking probably about a two- to three-week break here. Um, we are going to work on a really special project to bring on some really unique guests, um, something we're really excited to be doing. So stay tuned for that. We have still have to reach out to those people to see if they're willing to come on the show and talk. But I think that's a, a series that we're really excited about. We think other people will be excited about too. So uh, stay tuned to the, uh, to the podcast account for additional details on that. Um, otherwise... Yeah, it's been a been an awesome season. Uh, Zeke, just any, any any final thoughts here as we wrap up? Um, you know, on, another another season. No, I just want to reiterate thank you for everyone for listening, and just really excited for uh, this next season to start again. Yeah, no, same for me. It's just you know it was a great year. You know, watch the team, talking on here, uh, a lot of fun, and uh, you know, just like you said, uh, got plans for this off season, and I think. Uh, you know, next year it'll only just keep getting better and better and more fun for all of us. So looking forward to that. Yeah, we've got an 82-game season uh, to cover next year. If all, all yes. things considered, we've got, so. you know, we just added whatever it was, uh, six additional prospects to a pretty deep prospect mm -hmm. pool that we'll have a chance uh, to follow along with as well. Um, we are coming up in episode 50 as well. I believe this is 46, so I think we'll be looking to do maybe something special for that that'll maybe just kind of sandwich um, some other episodes in there as well potentially. So uh, thanks again, as as Adrian, for all, all the support. Uh, remind everyone uh, where they can find you, Zeke, here uh, as, as we sign off. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, as usual, at uh, ZBWildNation underscore HW, and then you can find uh, any and all of my written work on HockeyWilderness.com. Justin? Uh, you can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at C with the Kaprizov Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. Just want to mention, I'm really excited to cover those six players on top of everything else we have. Things are starting to um, go a little bit. We have uh, 
I'll just mention real quick a few players in the what was it uh, the can- Canadian camp, uh, Damon Hunt, Ryan O'Rourke, and Carson Lambeau. So you know things are starting to even ramp up now. So yeah. Marat Huzadinov also on the roster for the uh, Gretzky Hilinka Cup as well. I don't think he played yeah. today. I imagine he's probably still kind of rehabbing his injury, but uh, could play in that tournament as well at some point. So. Yes. All right. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you're following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram at sound the foghorn, all one word. If you're not already, please follow us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're an Apple listener, if you can go ahead and leave us a review, let us know what you think of the show. We always do appreciate that as well. Well, that'll do it for our 2020-2021 coverage of the Minnesota Wild here on Sound the Foghorn. On behalf of Zeke and Justin, I am Brett Marshall. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn.